When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Again, Matip able to come forward without any challenge. Salah. Well, not so long ago, it was a 12-point gap, and now it's just a three-point margin at the top. The race is definitely on in the Premier League. Leeds knocked for six ahead of Liverpool's first shot at silverware this weekend. Anfield South is on the horizon. Now, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on Liverpool, as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. And right now, sign up for a special price, just £1 a month for six months. £1 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall, and on the Red Agenda, Sam Hughes and Chris McLaughlin to discuss the title race and a massive day at Wembley. And side, let's face it, Leeds can't stop conceding goals and Liverpool can't stop winning games yeah, at the moment. You could say that. I mean, I... I didn't think it was a statement performance from Liverpool, but it was certainly a statement scoreline. They didn't really get out of second gear and still managed to score six goals. Just reminds really of what the forward line can do if you give them the space. I mean, it, they, they could have scored more than six, really, Liverpool, I think. But it, it's a big win because of how close it brings Liverpool to City, particularly after City's defeat to Tottenham at the weekend and, and the manner of that defeat. It puts a lot of pressure on them suddenly. I think at the end of the game, you could feel sort of the energy inside the ground. It felt like a sense of defiance that Liverpool are, you know, are coming up the road a little bit. You know, it, you could see that Liverpool were going to win quite convincingly for quite a long time on the night. And yet there was a big sort of guttural roar from, from Anfield from each side of the ground. And Klopp celebrated it like, like it was a big win. I think he was quite keen after the game to sort of understate his celebrations a little bit. I think he regretted, you know, fist pumping the crowd and and doing all that. But it could be remembered as a big moment in the season, I think, because it just showed that, that Liverpool aren't going to go away and they're at the very least going to be a pest for Man City. Chris, are the, are the stars aligning? And just on that point that Simon was talking about, Jürgen got carried away, didn't he? He did more fist pumps than, than normal, but later reined it in. It's hard not to feel that the Reds are sort of cruising in the right direction at the moment. Yeah, I think getting caught up in the moment's a big part of what Jorgen Klopp's about. I mean, let's go right back to that West Brom game when we got a late equaliser from Origi and they all went down, you know, holding arms together in front of the cop and everybody was having a go saying, oh, look, this is how far, how far Liverpool have fallen now. They celebrate a two-all draw against West Brom. But that was a big part of him embracing Anfield and saying to the people on the cop, look, stick with us and we'll always fight. We'll always we'll always try and get a result. And, and look what's happened since. If you, you know... All right, last season, no fans in the ground. They lost six games in a row. But since then, unbeaten. The only unbeaten team in the in the Premier League at home. Um, and, and to win a game 6-0, as, you know, as bad as Leeds were at times in, in terms of the defensive shape. I was at the 
the clo the behind closed doors game last season against Leeds, the four three on the opening day. The first half was the same. So both teams had chances. The difference was then Leeds took them and now Liverpool understood a bit better how to cope with their system. So I think partly Klopp was pleased with that, that not only did they win six nil, they won without conceding and obviously the fans are all singing about going to Wembley as well. Um, so you, you had that emotional sort of, of side to it and all the gap closing to three points the momentum we've built City dropping points and it's a real feel good night I thought Si we're, we're all massively consumed by the points different at the top of the table it's hard not to be isn't it Jürgen said afterwards that he's not carried away with that at all he's not focused on Man City's points just their own he pointed to the fact that City are going to play this weekend before Liverpool play in the League Cup final but come on the manager and players must have one eye on it I do believe him when he says that. He made another comment just before the Leeds game. I think it was the press conference on Tuesday when he, when he said that he, he's learned in management that, I know it's a cliche, but if you do think too far ahead and you pick a team based on what you might need two or three weeks' time, you can find yourself the season getting away from you quite quickly. So, again, it's an old cliche, but I do think that Liverpool are taking it one game at a time and Klopp is trying to get the strongest team on the pitch whatever game that might be you know I think I think it suits Liverpool really at, at this stage because no one fancied them to to be in this position at the end of February I didn't I I thought that City would have run away with it by now but suddenly you know all the pressure's on them they're, they're going to have to find a way to get over the Tottenham result which was a bad result but the circumstances of the result it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that because you don't see City claw back potentially what could have been a valuable point to actually lose the game in the, in the time that they had left. I'll be interested to see how they react to it and the, how they react to the sort of pressure that they'll be under now because Liverpool and City have been rivals for a long time now on the pitch, but it's never quite been like this where, you know, if you think back 2018-19, I think the team's levels at that point was probably at its, at its highest stage, but Liverpool had more of an initiative towards the back end of that season, whereas... City have never been in a position where they've had this big lead and then suddenly squandered it. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they, they react to that Liverpool, really, that, that the pressure feels off, strangely, despite the fact that they could have, you know, that the possibilities are so are so big for the club at this stage. So it's it's quite a nice position to be in, I'd say, for Jürgen Klopp. I, I think this season, I don't think many people really expected them to necessarily be in the consideration for the Premier League. So... You know, it's 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 almost feels like a bit of a bonus, really. And for City, that, that that's quite. That, I'd imagine that must be quite uncomfortable. And Chris, if you think back to a couple of years ago, and obviously Liverpool and City went on those remarkable runs where they just didn't lose games. I mean, City's was phenomenal, wasn't it? Do you think we're looking at sort of different teams now that maybe are slightly more vulnerable to to occasions? We we saw it with the Spurs win over City. It's it's not a case of City are just going to win every game from here on in. It might not be, but it might be as well, Steve. I mean, let, let's not forget, last time they lost before the Tottenham game, they, they, they followed up by winning 12 in a row. So they have proven this season that they can go on a run. Um, like Sam says, though, it's, it's a different type of run they've got, to, they've got to make now because they did have a nine-point lead that has gone down to three. And obviously, games in hand will come into it again, depending on when the fixtures land with our game against Arsenal at the weekend being moved to midweek later in March. So there's a different mentality they need, but... I wouldn't write City off as saying they couldn't go on such a run because I believe both teams can go on such a run and it could come down to that the game at the Etihad in you know the start of April where 
who knows what is going to happen in that when they, they go head to head? Because again, even going into that, what what would Man City's mentality be? Would they would they go all out for it and leave themselves a bit open for Liverpool to go and attack? Would they think a draw is a good result? Because they've got the three points advantage as it stands. Who knows? There's, there's endless possibilities that that could happen this season. And I think both both sides are capable of winning all the remaining games. It could come down to that match. That said. They are slightly different teams than the two that fought it out for the, the title a few years back. So there's a lot of unpredictability as well. But experience and knowledge is everything, Sai, isn't it? And the, the fact that they've fought, fought it out with each other before, they've done the title race thing, the squads are full of players that know how to get it done. It sort of points to the fact that knowledge will be key here. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously that the players, it's largely the same group of players, really. You know, for the last two or three years, I know City have... I've lost company in Aguero. I mean, I, at the start of the season, I thought to not sign a player to, to replace Aguero, I, I understand that it's not it's easier said than done, you know, a player of that, that quality. And I also understand that, that last season, you wouldn't say that Aguero's been the influential figure that he was in seasons gone by. But the problem for City was they, they went into the season with a weaker squad than they had this season. And I think when that happens... You know, it's just these little margins, isn't it, really? I felt that when Liverpool won the league in 2019-20, City suffered that season because they weren't able to get somebody in to replace company. You know, a lead, another leader in the dressing room. So the teams haven't changed drastically. And the styles haven't changed. I don't think they've changed drastically. I'm sure the managers will argue otherwise in terms of saying, oh, we've, we've evolved and, and, and brought different facets to the, the style of play. But I think that's what makes it so exciting, really, because... Both teams want to sort of play attack and football. They both want to score goals. You know, the intention is always to sort of go and win the game. So, as Chris said, I think that the game of the Etihad, if it is really tight, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do and the sort of the level of bluff that goes on between the managers. Because uh, they always sort of... It's a strange sort of rivalry between them because neither of them have ever, ever had a pop at each other. But I don't really sense a, a sense of warmth between them either. You know, I think they clearly respect each other's status in the game. I can sense Klopp is always keen to remind that the Guardiola and Man City have got much deeper resources. I sometimes feel that Guardiola buys that the sort of City thing that, you know, Liverpool, the historical club that in 2020 and 2019, maybe more neutral fans if they exist sort of wanted... Liverpool to, to get one over City and you can see they have these little jibes going on but never before have the two teams faced each other in the last six weeks of the season I think the last time obviously when, when they went to really went head to head in 2018-19 that the game at the Etihad which was a really big one you know by the end it was it was it was it was pivotal in the season you know that was in in January wasn't it so you know Sky and whoever broadcast that game are going to be uh very, very excited if, if there's only a couple of points between the two teams. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewellery gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, one thing Liverpool have done, Chris, is um, got the superior edge on goal difference now, which again is pretty incredible if you look at how that's changed over the past few weeks. Um, Enlarged down to Mo Salah, again, brilliant against Leeds. Sai's written a great piece about him. There's no hangover whatsoever from AFCON here, is there? It's like he never went, isn't it? It's like he's he's just carried on. He, like we, I don't know, he had a few weeks off somewhere on a beach, and he's just come back and and carried on how he was. Because it, it wasn't just that the way he took the two penalties last night. Um, the ball he plays for Joel Matip's brilliant goal that you know everybody Anfield is absolutely buzzing off. It's a really good ball with his wrong foot. He played that with his right foot. When you look at it. I thought he was a little bit unlucky not to get his hat trick, to be honest. I mean, didn't put enough weight on the shot when he when Trent put him through the, the back end of the first half. And then you really should have scored in the second half when, when Curtis chose to pass the ball to him rather than, than shoot himself. And he, he looked probably more annoyed that he'd only got two goals compared to to four that he could have had. And yet he's, he's still seven clear in the, you know, in the race for the, the Premier League top goal scorer. And his nearest rival, Diogo Jot, is injured. And it is his rival after that, Sadio Mane, who also got two last night. So they're fighting out between them for, for goals. But now he's in a battle for assists as well because he's level with Trent at the top of the, the Premier League assist table and Andy <laughs> Robertson's one behind. So where does Trent and Robbo have got this sort of historic um, bet between them of who gets the most assists each season? Now, now they've got another contender and he's in the same team as them. So... You're looking at potentially if he carries on in this vein of form, one of the one of the great all-time season-long performances. But it's not just about the numbers now; it's about adding silverware to and about adding trophies. And you know, Liverpool have still got four they can potentially win as you know at this moment in time. And um, he won't just want to win the the golden boot; he'll want the silver pots as well. Yeah, he's hungry for it, isn't he? Your piece is called "The Relentless Brilliance of Mo Salah." Uh, people can see it now on the Athletic. Just just six goals behind Michael Owen now. In 64 less games, <laughs> which is stunning, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's, he's got the best goals to game ratio, I think, of any Liverpool player in, in history that's played, you know, a considerable number of games, put it that way. I'm not, con- you know, sort of considering people who played nine games and scored two goals or something like that. But, he, he you know, his, his record is, is unbelievable. And as Chris said, I mean, I, I thought, I thought surely, you know, he's going to take a little bit of time to get back into it. You know, surely at some point he'll show, you know, a bit a bit of lethargy in, in a performance. Maybe that will come at some point and it'll be up to the manager to know, you know, just to give him one little rest. But he doesn't seem to ever want to rest, does he? He's just absolutely relentless. And, you know, I think, I think that the assists, although he's, he's done this before with assists, again, it just reminds that he, he's a much cleverer, much more of a team player than I think people think it. I think I put in the piece that he can be accused of being selfish sometimes, but he certainly knows when to be unselfish, <laughs> uh, which is all what all the great players do. You know, he, he knows when a, play, a player's in a better position than him. And then the one moment for me last night was was the goal for Mane. Was it the Mane's first goal when he his pass to Henderson was just glorious? You know, if if Steven Gerrard or Chabi Alonso had made that pass, people would have been talking about it. You know, for for a long time. So. 
he's just brilliant to watch. I just, I just love watching him play. I think we, we've discussed it before, but I think he's a different player to what he was when he first joined Liverpool. I think his game is, is a lot more rounded. I think from his point of view as well, when I watched him for Egypt, I wouldn't say he struggled. I think he did what he could do with the quality of players around him. I think from his experience, he should remember that going away with Egypt is a reminder that not all every team is set up around his strengths. You know, I'm not saying that the whole team at Liverpool is set up around Mo Salah, but he is there because he is there to, to fulfil a certain function in the team. And the way the Liverpool team set up brings out the best in him. Like, it definitely does. And I, I think if he were to decide to go elsewhere, he might not find it as easy as he does, you know, for Liverpool. He might find it a bit more like Egypt in certain places, you know. Like, I, I just think the whole team is set up for Salah. And, you know, with his contract situation, if there, there has to be some sort of compromise somewhere. They can't let him, they can't let him go. I, I just think, even, even if he might not be as quick as he once was, I don't know whether that's data proven. But... You know, he's got so much more to his game. Yeah, and, and he he terrifies defences as well. He still does. He, his, his feet are so quick. His vision is, is has improved dramatically. I just I just think he is an all-time great. Another little thing that he achieved last night, more penalties that score for Liverpool than Robbie Fowler now. Just shows you, doesn't it? It just keeps racking them up, doesn't it? The, the whole contract thing, time is dangerously ticking on, Chris, isn't it? We don't really know what the barrier is that, that's in the way. We can only assume that he wants more money than the club are willing to pay or length of contract. Who, who knows Who knows what it is? Whilst he was on AFCON, of course, there weren't all the headlines about it. They're going to come back now, aren't they? We're, we're going to see the next few months relentless speculation about him. Yeah, it's the way of modern football, isn't it? That when you when a contract's running down and you you're a key player, there's always talk about well, are they going to renew it? Are they going to let him go? Are they going to cash in? I think, like Simon said, from from Liverpool's point of view, they've they've got to find a way to compromise and and keep him meet in the middle somewhere. He loves playing for Liverpool. Liverpool fans absolutely love having him, and the team is miles better for him being in it. I mean, he he could stay and build the kind of legacy that a few others have in terms of his his goals and his, his contributions and also he's playing at a club who can genuinely win the biggest honours in the game. You know, you look at the Champions League this season, I think most people fancy an English team to to go and win it. If you know, Liverpool and, and City being the, the main two, although let's be honest, Chelsea have got the, the know how as well how to, to win a European Cup. So if he if he was to go, where would he go? I mean, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona seem to get money whenever they need it, even when they're struggling somehow. Could he go there? Do they need him? Would they want him? He's not going to go anywhere else in England. You couldn't imagine him playing for another one of our rival clubs. So I think, because Jürgen Klopp, all the signals he gives is that he's not concerned, that he's not worried about how the talks are progressing. So I, I think somewhere along the line he will find a resolution and he will stay at, at Liverpool because ultimately it's, it's very rare that Liverpool have a player, if ever, who's considered the best in the world. You know, the, the, the crown's there to be taken from from Messi and, and Ronaldo. And all right, Lewandowski, his goal-scoring record for, for Bayern Munich's amazing, but he's older. You know, at, at some point, he, he won't be quite as prolific, I don't think. So I think Mo's still reaching his peak and there's still a lot more to come. And, you know, you, you look at the goals this season compared to last. He's going he's gonna to blow what he did last season out, out of the water, I think, in terms of how many goals he ends up with. And he's got to be a shoo-in for the, the PFA Player of the Year in the football Writers player of the year, I'm, I'm struggling to think who would even be second at the moment. So, ultimately, I, I think it would suit Liverpool and Mo Salah to, to come to some arrangement and, 
and stay here for ultimately maybe the rest of his career. Yeah, I think he's got to sweep the board, hasn't he, in the awards. Another player outstanding in recent games is Thiago Sai. Class is apparent, 50 games now for, for Liverpool. Maybe longer than taken longer than expected to get to 50 because of injuries. But I think we can forget this old conversation now that he doesn't suit Klopp's style of play, which you seem to hear in his first few months at the club. Well, I can, I can understand some of the questions that came as well, not the criticism necessarily. There was mitigation for his first season, given you know what happened with injuries, COVID, coming back into a team that was struggling, you know, no fans, the weird world that we were living in. It does it does contribute towards a player being able to settle straight away. This season, I mean, I, I think the last three home league games, he's been one of the best players on the pitch again. I mean, I, I thought last night showed different side of his game again. I, he seems to be right up to speed with not only what the opponents are doing, but what his teammates are doing, his tactical responsibilities. He's doing a lot more of what Alden did, I noticed, last night. You know, sort of that little defensive role when the full-back goes forward or the centre-half strays into a more attacking position. Just filling that little, I think Klopp will call it a half space or football manager speak anyway. And he's been making, to me, it seems, a lot more tackles as well, which... which uh, important in terms of breaking up the play. He was able to do that against Leicester very well. He did it again last night. And there was a little moment in the first half where Leeds were trying to break and they, had, they were having a bit of joy on the counter-attack, but it was more the other side of the pitch I felt in the first half. But on this side of the pitch, he was playing to the left of the midfield. Uh, I think it was Adam Forshaw was just about to make a pass, which could have put uh, Daniel James in. And, and Thiago made this little block. I don't think many people caught on to it because... It was quite subtle and he sort of clenched his fist like, you know, like the way Klopp does really, you know, like sort of, I think he really realises that 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 is the side of the game that is really important if you're going to be a feature in Liverpool's team and his tackling's been a lot better, his timing's been a lot better, he's been in position a lot better defensively and he's contributing in in an attacking sense as well, you know, he's came on against Norwich and just sort of ran, ran the game as soon as he came on, so... He looks right up to speed now, and I, I think, you know, we were talking before about the experience towards the end of the season. I think what Liverpool have that they didn't have in years gone by is, is Thiago, a player who's won everything there is to win, uh, who's still clearly as hungry as ever to, to add to that. And I'm just really excited to see his role in this se- the rest of the season. I just think it's just integral that he, he, he keeps fit. I just really hope he keeps fit, but to me, he, seems, he does seem a lot fitter and I think when you're fitter and more up to speed, you, you suffer from less muscle pulls and and, and, and and twinges that can potentially disrupt that rhythm that you've got. So, yeah, it seems, I mean, at the moment, it seems like it's it's Fabinho, Thiago, plus one other in the midfield in terms of the main the main three. I'm sure Jordan Henderson will be desperate to get his levels back to what they were. Um, I thought Curtis Jones had, had, a, had a decent game last night. It's, a lot of people seem to be on his back at the moment. It, it feels... But I thought he sort of handled that that situation quite well. So talking before about Liverpool and Man City, if you look at the two squads, who has the, the most depth in the squad now? I mean, I, I would say in terms of experience, if everybody's fit, you'd, you'd probably say Liverpool. And I think given what Liverpool have got to go up between now and the end of the season, that's just really, really important. Right, well, Chris, let's have a look at the 
the cup final, the Carabao Cup final, and who might be chosen to play in that? Because we mentioned Thiago, and I think all Liverpool fans would say Fabinho, Thiago should, should be starting. We know the back five speaks for itself, but the midfield is the one that you'd maybe go, well, who's the extra person? So in the two games where Liverpool have played Chelsea this season, they've had Milner, Fabinho and Henderson in the 2-2 at Stamford Bridge. In, in the 1-1, they had Elliot, Fabinho, Henderson. Who and why is the three to play against Chelsea on Sunday? Fabinho, straight in. First name on the team sheet. He, he's there with Van Dijk now, isn't he? You, if Liverpool playing at a big game, Fabinho has to start. There, there isn't a better player in his position in world football. He's the best. He's in form. He's now turned into some kind of central midfield Pele with his, with his goals in, in recent <laughs> months. So, he, he, for me, first name on the team sheet. Secondly, I can't imagine Liverpool going into a cup final without the, cap, without the club captain starting. You know, it's, it's yeah. a big day to, to lead your team out at Wembley. So I think Jordan Henderson will lead the team. So for me, it's it's actually the other side, Thiago side, where, where the question mark is. And I, I think it'll be Thiago who starts that he, he plays all three. Um, sometimes against Chelsea as well, you need somebody who's got a little bit of more goal scoring threat, I'd say, from midfield. So I wouldn't rule out Naby Keita from, from playing, to be honest. I, I think he's. He's a player who, on the big stage, on a on a big pitch, it would suit him. And I go back to the game when when Liverpool had already won the league and we beat Chelsea five to Anfield on on Coronation Day when we actually we actually got the trophy. Naby was brilliant. He scored an absolute world of a goal that he, he blasted in, and he he ran you know he ran rings around that that midfield. I thought that night, and um, that'll live in Klopp's memory, I think. And I, I wouldn't rule him out of of actually being maybe some people might say a surprise starter, but. I, I think there's a there's a chance he'll play. Because this big midfield battle could well decide things at Wembley, couldn't it, Si? Obviously, Chelsea have got really strong midfielders as well. Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens in that area of the pitch. Definitely. I mean, the game at Sanford Bridge was... I mean, the first half was exhausting, wasn't it? It felt like you played a whole season or watched the whole season unravel in front of you because of the way uh, the, sort of the, the, the ebb and flow of the game. And... A lot of that was dictated by the midfield and the control of the midfield. You know, Kovacic was outstanding that game and Liverpool allowed them to get back into the game because, or when I say they allowed them to, I mean, sometimes you've just got to give the, the, the quality of the, the player that you're up against credit. And I think if whoever controls that area of the pitch will, and again, it's a cliche, but I do think whoever controls that will, will, will end up winning. I'm interested to see what he does with Henderson because Klopp in the past... Let's not forget he he dropped him in the new camp, didn't he, for against Barcelona, which at that time was it was you know obviously a huge game. Put Cater in, you know I suppose he was at a different stage of his Liverpool career at that point maybe, but you know only a month later he was li- lifting the the Champions League trophy as captain. So it wouldn't necessarily be an unprecedented call by Klopp to leave him out. You know he has he has done that in a big game before, and that was the night when he put Cater in. He started brilliantly in the new camp, then got injured. I think that's the big. It will always be the big thing about Cater. I, I don't think his ability is necessarily the question. It's his availability. Whenever he gets a, a, bit, a bit of a run, he, he seems to have a setback through some sort of physical problem. So I think that would be a big call. But I know, I know what Chris is saying because Cater, in some certain games against certain teams, has done has done better. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure if he were to leave out the captain, my God, there'd be some headlines, wouldn't there, from that? It, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be an easy decision. I would be surprised if this was a one-sided game. You know, I, I, I think it's gonna be 
a game which which could possibly go to extra time as well. Because there's been there's been very little to separate these teams when you know when since Tuchel's been in charge. Really, I know Chelsea had a good win at Anfield, but I'm just totally discounting that season because it was a waste of time, wasn't it? Really, when we talk about it. But you know, in in the league games this season, particularly, it's been very tight. And when Tuchel was the manager of Dortmund's, the games were really tense and really tight. And I can, I can just feel when I say tight, I don't necessarily mean there's not going to be any goals. There could be lots of goals, but I can just see it going the whole distance, really. And it's not going to just require the players that start the game. It could the game could be defined by a substitute, you know, or a, a substitute decision by by either of the managers. Both with rel- relative degrees of form coming into this. Well, we know Liverpool, Chelsea was strong performance against Lille. As well, they seem to be bringing things together. Kai Havertz definitely a, a big man on the the big stage for them, Chris. And just just great that these two tacticians in Klopp and Tuchel are going head to head. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it something like the the first all German manager cup final in this country's history, or or something like that? I don't think it's ever happened before. Um, the thing I say about Chelsea is that, that that makes me a little bit nervous. Is they know how to win finals and they know how to win tight games. You look at the Champions League final one 0 against City. You look at the Super Cup, I think that went to the penalties after a draw with Villarreal. You look at, they've just won the FIFA Club World Cup. Um, that was, a, you know, extra time. The, the game before, they won 1-0 in the semi-final to get through. And, and like Sai says, Tuchel loves these these tight games. I mean, even, I think he was at PSG, wasn't he, when we, we, we beat them at Anfield in the, in the last minute. So, I think it will be whoever comes out on top tactically to a, to a certain extent, because... Chelsea ultimately are a, they're a defensive-minded team. The way the way he sets up, you know, a, a lot was made about Romelu Lukaku only touching the ball seven times in the in the recent game at Crystal Palace. But that's partly due to the way the team plays. You know, if, if a team's not focused on playing to a striker of that type and giving him the ball, then he is only going to touch the ball a few times because to them they, they wanted to stay solid at, at Crystal Palace and ultimately they nicked, they nicked the win. If you look at the league table and number of the draws they've had. Um, two of them against Liverpool. It wouldn't be a surprise at all if it if it went to extra time. And let's be honest, pretty much all of Liverpool's League Cup final seems to go to extra time, don't they? Um, you know, I think three of the four in the eighties at Wembley went to extra time, and two went to a replay. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we've got one hundred and twenty minutes and even penalties to decide it, like we did in in the Super Cup in um, in Istanbul not that long ago. Don't forget. Goodness for me. Um, look, we do, we've done the defence to midfield. Luis Diaz do, does he start this? Is Jota given? Till the very last minute to maybe prove he can be involved, Si? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was quite worrying from Jota's perspective when, obviously, the, the manager and, and the talking about doing everything possible to get him fit for the game. I think if you think back to the Champions League final, when it, obviously it was a bigger run-up, but Firmino was out injured and they got him back fit for the final. Obviously, Liverpool won the game, so... None of this really matters, but Firmino wasn't quite at it. And I know, obviously, Jota, Jota's injury was, was not so long ago. I mean, I, if Jota was fully fit, he, he would be starting for me, definitely. I, I just think he deserves to. And I think that, I think at this moment in time, as well as Diaz has started, I just think to have him again, go, go, going off what I was saying before about how it could be a game that goes to extra time, having his pace as an asset to come on. I mean, I, I thought last night against... Leads, they found it very difficult to stop him, you know, when he, he's very direct with his running. And I think that could be a real asset off the bench, to be honest. So if Jota is fit, I would start with Jota. But my concern is, is he, how fit is he? I, I wouldn't be necessarily thinking about starting him if if he's only, 
we talk about percentages. I, I, I genuinely don't know how how Liverpool measure that. You know, is is he fully fit, hundred percent fit? Well, he, he hasn't played a game in in two weeks, has he? So yeah, it's it's going to be a really fascinating decision, I think. Because I, I think it's things like this. I mean, I I, I think that as good as Liverpool were going forward last night, uh, they definitely, definitely, definitely need Jota available between now and the end of the season, given the number of goals he scored. Not just against the you know the the big teams, just the goals when Liverpool have been playing arguably lesser opposition and they have been struggled to make the breakthrough and suddenly he just turns up and scores like Leicester a couple of weeks ago he's a really important player who who can can just score out of nothing even if he's not particularly having a good game if the ball falls to him by and large he's going to score he's going to score a goal so for me he's he's ahead of Firmino now I would I would say in terms of the, the first pick and who knows maybe maybe Divock the man for the big occasion could have a say in things Chris at Wembley he could. It's a type of Divakarigi thing he'd do, isn't it? Come on an extra time, score 120th minute overhead kick or something to to win the cup. But the, the other guy who might have a big say is Gravine Callagher because you know what Klopp said previously is that he's, he's going to start. It's it's his competition. I know Adrian played at Preston because he he, he missed out to that point, and Allison did get a game in in one round because he he needed a, a run having been out with COVID himself, but. Keller has already got a history of saving penalties if it if it goes that far. You know, he he's been successful in two penalty shootouts now for Liverpool and um he looks unfazed when he plays generally. He's played against Chelsea before this season, had a decent game at, at Stamford Bridge, um, where arguably the two goalkeepers were the best two two players that day. So it, it could come down to that. And you know, Chelsea's goalie, Mendy, he's won the AFCON, he you know, he's won three major honours with Chelsea now recently. So that might be the subplot. That it, it's a goalkeeping hero that emerges from this final. I think. I get the sense Chris thinks it's going to penalties. So quick, quick summary of what we think is going to happen, Chris. Penalties, yeah. Kelleher the hero. Extra time penalties. Kelleher saves one. Origi converts one. Liverpool win the cup. <laughs> Simon, I'm going three two. Liverpool 120th minute winner. Oh, both of you in extra time. Absolutely love it. I, I I agree with Chris about Kelleher. By the way, massive call by Klopp to, to say, you know, early, weeks before the game, that he's going to start. I mean, it'd be interesting to see Alisson's reaction to that, to be honest, because, you know, he's he's a winner and he will be desperate to play. But I really like Kelleher. I, I think for most Premier League clubs now, other than Liverpool or Man City, he'd probably be first pick. I, I mean that. And Chelsea as well, obviously. Mendy's a very good goalkeeper. But I, I, I really do think he's he's got the potential to be a top-class goalkeeper. But this is a massive game for him. I mean, this is this is on another level to the games that he's played in so far. This is where we will be able to get a measure of how he deals with that that pressure. Although he so far he's passed all the tests. I think we're all hugely excited. Can't wait. Uh, my thanks, of course, to Chris McLaughlin and Simon Hughes. Check out Simon's piece on Mo Salah. It's on the Athletic site right now. Thanks for listening to the Red Agenda. Uh, we'll have a special one after the League Cup final. We'll see you then. Goodbye.